It's the British Wrestling Experience with Martin, Ollie, and Benno. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the British Wrestling Experience, right here on Post Wrestling. I'm Benno, with me is Ollie Court. Ollie, how's it going? Hey there, Benno. It's going really well, actually. Um, I'm feeling pretty pumped up about this episode, um, because I guess we've, I, we've talked a lot about Rare Pro, obviously, but mm. mainly their big shows, and obviously we'll be talking about Uprising here, which is one of their biggest shows of the year, but also... I feel like we will talk a lot about just the company in general and where they're at right now. So I'm excited about that. Definitely, yeah. Definitely some changes since the uh, the last episode that we uh, we did with Martin. We can uh, maybe walk back some of our comments from two yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, I was ago. very negative yeah, <laughs> the last two weeks because there has been stuff to be negative about, but there's also been a lot of positives, which have maybe uh, been more prevalent after Uprising. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, so we'll, uh, yeah, we'll get into all that. We're going to talk Uprising. We're going to talk Rev Pros TV. We're going to talk the last couple of progress chapters as well. One we've uh, both seen on VOD and one that I got to live uh, on Sunday, Chapter 78. We'll also talk a little bit of NXT UK and all the latest in uh, British and European wrestling news. Uh, eagle-eyed uh, listeners might notice that Martin's not here this week. He's actually he's living it up in Toronto, Ollie. He's over there, the, <laughs> the home of post-wrestling. He's going to be on a, a live Google Hangout with uh, John and Way. Uh, it looks oh, like he's fantastic. living it up from the photos. Uh, definitely a place <laughs> I want to get to at some point, Toronto. Ah, that's wonderful for him. I'm hoping, I hope he's having a bloody great time, and we'll hold down the fort in that's the meantime. It. We'll stay in the trenches, and we'll uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep things moving with the British wrestling talk. But yeah, let's get straight to it. Uh, Rev Pro's uprising show. Rev Pro again, notoriously quick on the VOD. I think this thing was mm-hmm. up on Sunday, wasn't it? Something like that. Uh, the show actually happened on uh, Friday, just gone. Uh, always impressed by uh, by that their, their brevity compared to some other promotions and how, how quickly they managed to do that but a big show that kind of came for me it came a little bit it felt like it was a little bit soon uh, after global wars to, to go Definitely. back to the well with another big show it almost felt like there was i don't know a little bit of malaise and people kind of getting up for it um i believe it did okay in the attendance stakes i think 800 odd was the number that i heard but uh, I certainly wasn't thinking of of travelling down for another big Rev Pro show so soon, but I think a lot of it's also geared, isn't it, on when they can get the, the venues for the big dates. Um, and again, like you said at the top of the show, there was maybe a little bit of negativity creeping in on the on the maybe on the some elements of the the new Japan relationship. But yeah, we're going to talk the the big matches from the show. But just yeah, overall, Ali, uh, you're coming out uh, feeling a, a bit more positive on uh, on Rev Pro after uh, this uprising show. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because um, obviously, two weeks ago we were talking about their last big show in Global Wars, mm-hmm. and I still enjoyed Global Wars. Don't get me wrong, Same. but I think some of the more negative aspects of the relationship with New Japan were more prevalent there. And I think probably the best idea is just to to kill the concept of Global Wars because they've done such a good job of integrating the New Japan talent into the show as it is mm. that they like it's almost uh, like needless to run a show where the where the big headline is we've got new japan talent coming over when they already have that and in a, a better way of doing that already like they've done they've done all the hard work i don't really see why they still need that so maybe that'll be something for them to consider next year um but this was RevPro at their best i know that's sort of their tagline but it really was true <laughs> on this show 
Yeah, it's kind of. I think that there's still. I mean, there were a couple of the results that maybe maybe me raised my eyebrows. I was following along as uh, as live tweets were coming in and some of the results. And I think the the opener yeah. being Chris Brooks, we were worried about him last week. We were saying, you know, well, well Chris Brooks is kind of this big uh, supposed heel in Rev Pro. And I was terrified that he was going to lose to Tai Chi of all people, and he did. Um, but there's also, yeah, like you say, plenty of positive to talk about with the show as well. And kind of the big news coming out of the show that you know, again, we while we were a little bit negative last time, one thing we I think we all tried to say was that the positives of the New Japan relationship do outweigh you know whatever negatives might come up from time to time. And the big news coming out of this show and coming out of the Ishii Stars kind of the big talking point matches that the the Rev Pro title is going to be on Wrestle Kingdom and yeah you, you can't this is you know it's maybe it's not quite the equivalent of say a progress match happening on Wrestlemania I saw people be, being all made up because the, there was an Atlas title defense on a WWE house show this is <laughs> you know this is very much different isn't it this is the Rev Pro belt being put on you know probably this the biggest show from the second biggest company and definitely so in the world and having their belts uh, in the lights and, and they're getting that big spotlight that's the kind of stuff that you know will make an, an Andy Quilden and uh, Rev Pro in general feel very very positive and think that yeah this this relationship is is entirely worth it mm-hmm. yeah I mean we at the British Wrestling Experience planned ahead and already have a man in the field <laughs> covering <laughs> that match live. Um, oh, are you excited for that one, Ollie? Is that, a, is that oh. just cemented it now that you made the right decision to go? Oh yeah, I mean it's a it's a cherry on top of it's a cherry on top of the card mm. um, at Wrestle Kingdom, um, which I'm getting the tickets are on their way now actually, wow. <laughs> along with all Japan tickets. Um, so the hype is definitely real at this very moment. Um, and yeah, cherry on top to see the, the British title and the two guys who have sort of defined that title over the last couple of years, Mm. um, having that match, you know, it feels like it's earned. It doesn't just feel thrown on like some of the ring of honor title matches have in previous years, Mm. um, at wrestle kingdom. This feels like a proper big addition to the card. Um, so that is very exciting and it definitely, uh, you know, obviously, some people will be critical because they don't follow New Japan closely, or you know, they'll be annoyed that like they're telling half the story, and for the other half, they have to pay another seven pounds or whatever it is for New Japan World. Mm. Um, I definitely get those criticisms. Yeah, it's um, definitely a concern, isn't it? But I think, it's, especially after this show and how it was done, and just the way RevPro have been building this match up for quite a long time, you, using the results of matches that feel meaningful and feel important to get to this moment. I feel like you have to be really cynical to see it as a negative in this instance. There's certainly things they'll have to address about their title situations next year. (laughs) If we're talking uh, in November 2019 and the titles have never come off New Japan talent, then maybe we can start to feel negative about it. But right now it is paying dividends in terms of the matches, the outcomes, the emotion coming out of them. And it's going to be at the Tokyo Dome. So that's very exciting as a BritRest fan. There we go. So we'll have you there, like you say, as our, our man on the scene, given as a yeah. as live report of, of how that goes. But yeah, to talk about how they got there, I mean, yeah, the main event of this Uprising show was uh, Tomohiro Ishii and David Starr for the Rev Pro title. Going in, I wasn't hugely confident that David Starr was going to win, but I felt like in the in the days leading up, they maybe got me a little bit. I think a lot of the, the fact that they did all the, the you know the talking head stuff, uh, getting different people to weigh in on who they thought was going to win the match, and David Starr cutting that pretty much babyface promo at the cockpit where 
I think they tried to play him somewhere down the middle, didn't they? He's been very much a, a strong heel in Rev Pro, and they added maybe some elements of him being almost the hometown babyface or being at least the, I don't know, the incumbent, the person who's on every show, who's at all of the cockpits, talking some truth to some of the criticism that, you know, that we've had and that other people have had in the past about it as well. Uh, but yeah, that was the main event here. So we got a very much, a, I think, David Starr being categorized himself as very much a pure rev pro guy but ishii's been on so many shows especially the Mm. big shows he's you know in part something of a rev pro guy at this point as well but yeah i thought they did a really good job of of setting the whole thing up in again in setting david star up as the challenger and just in yeah giving something maybe a bit fresh and something a bit different as a as a main event uh what did you make of it when the uh maybe firstly the build and then uh what happened when they they got in the ring here yeah, this was a. They really threw their promotional weight behind this match. It was very mm-hmm. impressive uh, what Rev Pro did to make this match feel really important. And I guess the way they presented David Starr is the best he's been presented by any company, really, I think. Um, you know, he he definitively won his feud with Delta Fantasmo, maybe not forever, but for now, like, he got. He was made to look like their best cruiserweight, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they really hammered that home in the build to this. And. I, I I do like that they sort of made it a Shades of Grey thing and not just Star as the pure heel. Um, you know, if you wanted to get behind David Star, you could. They gave you they gave you that reason. They gave you that permission <laughs> to do it at the cockpit. Mm. Um, so I I thought this was a very very well built match. They had the talking head segments throughout the VOD. Um, you know, building it all the way up. Um, and yeah, it was certainly a very exciting match. Um, uh, you know, I've been critical of David Starr, and <laughs> we came to very polite <laughs> blows over over the weekend. <laughs> um, you know, but yeah, I, I certainly enjoyed it. Um, knowing that Starr wasn't going to win maybe dampened it a little bit, unlike the, the tag team match, which we'll talk about in a sec, mm. where even though I knew the result, it still gutted me. <laughs> like, it, it didn't feel maybe as dramatic as it would have in the building. Mm. But um, I think just the way they promoted this match and hyped it up, Hmm. was impressive on their part and it's something rev pro have gotten very good at is these, these big main event style matches that feel on like another tier to just the regular matches that they put on definitely and like you say ollie there's nothing wrong with uh, with polite debate it's uh, <laughs> no secret i'm a bit higher on david star than maybe you have been in the past but i do think yeah this was the Regardless of you know opinions on David Starr, this was the one of the stronger David Starr appearances or stronger matches that I've that I've seen, and it does does feel like even you know people who maybe weren't so sure on David Starr being in a main event and being in this position, mm. I think both in a storyline sense of being the heel who maybe went in cocky and and started to take it seriously as the match went on, and, and again in a maybe in a non kayfabe sense as well as being. You know, somebody who talks a big game, can he deliver in a, in a big Rev Pro main event? I, I think it pretty much ticked both box, boxes, really. I think you got a strong match in that, you know, lots of Ishii domination. But like I say, you got lots of star personality stuff, which is the stuff that I'm into with him. I think the fact that he, again, teasing Ishii with his jacket. Uh, what did they say? Something like Ishii's daddy, something like that on the back yeah, of the jacket. Yeah, David Starr is Ishii's daddy. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Using that on, on his intro and having his back to Ishii who's just, yeah, standing there stone-faced, wait, waiting just to, to murder him. I enjoyed all that stuff, but I do think, yeah, I in the past in Rev Pro, I've not always loved, when they did the Shades of Grey stuff with Marty Scale, I wasn't always into it. 
But mm. I do think it's kind of horses for courses, isn't it? And I think if you're going to do this match, I think David Starr is going to be naturally the underdog in the match. And I think naturally yeah. there are going to be people who want to cheer him as well. I think they walk the line well, like I say, doing the heelish stuff a little bit earlier on, then letting the match build and having, you know, Starr hit some heavier offense, you know, hit his big lariats and hit some more serious moves. It was kind of, they walked that line where it could have felt where maybe some of David Starr's goofiness would make it feel a bit like when WWE put Miz in a, in a serious match and he's such a goofy heel and then he's in a match and you're supposed to take him seriously and you just, you can't. And I struggle with Miz for that reason. Whereas with David Starr, I think they just about walked that line easy enough though, where he was very much the heel, but then still when it actually came to the match, he went blow for blow, for blow with Ishii and it didn't look ridiculous. You know, again, a cruiserweight against the heavyweights as well and it didn't look ridiculous. And yeah, you know, I, I kind of was almost quietly hopeful of a David Starr win, but obviously not knowing the the idea would be that they'd be going to the Tokyo Dome with the belt. So it very much made sense to, to keep the belt for Ishii. So yeah, overall, I think I, I really liked it. I thought, I guess, I think it kind of ticked every box. Starr got to look good in your call. I might have liked a slightly longer build to it, um, but I think part of that's because they couldn't do much on. They probably would have done more on the Global Wars show if uh, Star. Yeah, had his, without Kushida. Yeah, yeah, his flight issues, that side of things. So that's a that's a minor critique as well. But overall, yeah, I think it was it was definitely worth it, and it made for a, a unique matchup as well to get to see yeah, the the cruiserweight champion and and someone who's on all of those cockpit shows go up against this year, maybe bridge that gap between uh, your call and and cockpit as uh, the dividing lines have been. <laughs> A little bit this year in RevPro. Yeah, I, I think Star had just become maybe too big to not have this match done. Like he was such the focus of RevPro booking hmm. for months, but he needed like a big main event. Yeah, just to like cement himself as that guy. And like even though he lost here, he doesn't really lose any of his aura as cruiserweight champion. And then it, like it just kind of sets up his character for the next chapter. Hmm. Like I, I feel like they'd they'd pushed him and pushed him and pushed him so much, but just throwing him another challenger here wouldn't have done him justice like he needed to lose to the tippy top guy mm. and then like they didn't hark on his his loss or anything like they got him out and then immediately did the angle with zsj so like i, I don't feel like star loses too much here he mm. can lick his wounds get his heat back through a promo um and be a big heel and go up against el Fantasmo again Definitely. um and el Fantasmo got really well built up on this show as well like he had a, a like even though he only beat el desperado mm. um who feels very beatable um like it felt like a major moment and everyone got on their feet for him and was chanting his name and the little kid and the el Fantasmo glasses came up to him <laughs> it, like he felt like a really big star in that moment so they can definitely go back to that match um and have it feel really important again definitely like i said star didn't lose anything like if anything he gained something from a both a kayfabe yeah. and a non-kayfabe point as well so definitely a home run success i mean you touched on the suzuki gun angle there i mean i my heart sank. I already knew it going in, but I, I, my heart sank reading the results. And, and I heard people saying they're live. When Taichi walked out, and it looked like <laughs> we're not getting Taichi, are we? No way. Uh, and oh, luckily, yeah, Suzuki turned up, and then ZSJ came out and, and choked out Ishii and claimed his. I don't always love automatic rematches in wrestling, but if you're going to cash in your automatic rematch and say it's January 4th at the Tokyo Dome, Zack Sabre Jr. and Tomohiro Ishii, then it's fine by me. It got a big pop, didn't it, in the building as well. Uh, I think everyone's up for it, and yeah, even if even the most jaded people over this uh, this New Japan relationship 
championship. I just don't think you can be jaded about that. It's clearly a big moment for Rev Pro, and I think yeah, they executed the ra- the angle really well as well. And it it goes to show us talking last time about how well maybe maybe uh, Ishii and, and Suzuki can't see there being big plans for them at Wrestle Kingdom. There we go. Mm. We're getting Ishii in a yeah. in a Rev Pro. I'm, oh, I'm so happy because <laughs> <laughs> Ishii always gets screwed over at the Tokyo Dome. He mm. he always gets his big match before and then has to slum it in in the Never Six Man or whatever. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's exciting that he gets to stretch his legs and Zach as well because he was in the six man, mm. uh, whatever they call it, the the gauntlet last year. So it you know he's gone up in New Japan's estimation, and I guess Rev Pro in general has gone up in New Japan's estimation. It shows that they value this partnership. They're not just, I mean, obviously Rev Pro are the, the lesser of the two partners, but they're not getting screwed around like Ring of Honor or mm. <laughs> you know. Well, I was gonna say yeah, it's kind of the slot that Ring of Honor would usually kind of take up or. They've used the NWA title back for way back when. But this feels bigger than anything they've ever done Mm. with Ring of Honor. Two push guys, isn't it? Two push New Japan wrestlers and like you say Zack Sabre Jr. getting to do a singles match at the Tokyo Dome for the first time and yeah Ishii doesn't always get that opportunity does he on those big cards so yeah definitely better than uh, than either of them ended up in the Rambo I will uh, definitely say that <laughs> um, as far as elsewhere on on this uprising card then uh, did you have any other highlights you mentioned uh, Aussie Open and Suzuki going there while we are talking about uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, what did you make of that one did it uh, live up to your billing this was one where I kind of if I was going to drop you know, I can understand keeping the belt on Ishii if I was going to take the belts off New Japan talent. I don't know, maybe with the angle coming at the end of the night, maybe there's an argument against it. But personally, I thought they were going to pull the trigger on the Aussies here. Do you think they lost anything by losing another Ooh. match to New Japan talent? Or was the match good enough that it that it didn't really I don't know. Anything? I thought the image of them being so gutted that they lost and the crowd being gutted mm. did more for them than maybe winning would have. Mm. Like... Them, them winning the progress tag titles didn't feel like a big or important moment, whereas them failing to win these mm-hmm. tag titles felt like a bigger and important moment for them, just as like a tag team and as an act. Like, I don't know. I, I, I like the idea of them not just winning everything in sight immediately, because then where do you go from there? Mm. Um, obviously, there's the political angle of you know who are New Japan gonna allow Rev Pro to beat Zack and Suzuki and that's obviously you got to keep that in the back of your mind but just in a vacuum after this match which I personally was my favorite of the night and just like the way Davis and Fletcher were selling the loss in like their own you know big brother little brother way I don't know it was devastating and it was really good and compelling and I want to see what they do next because it took them six months to get to this moment and then they lose mm-hmm. and it's like you're still with them, you know. Again, I didn't lose my support of Aussie Open. You know, they're, they're my lock for tag team of the year. <laughs> um, I want to see all their matches all the time. Yeah. So, you know, I'm still on their journey with them. It's certainly not a bad thing, is it? You know, when, a, when a finish like that kind of hits you right in the feels and... Yeah, you know, we're talking about them in there with Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. And I, I kind of like, I noticed, I mean, in the match, one of my notes was the the fact that Minoru Suzuki kicked out of the fidget spinner. And I can't, they said on the commentary, and I can't think of a time where they've used that as a kick out move. If you're going to do it, it should be against Minoru Suzuki. Yeah. I think they did a good job of having a lot of those near falls where even someone like me that comes in watching the match knowing the results you almost buy them because they're very good at that segment of the match and there was some very, very close ones, you know, they're trying to grab roll-ups where they could and just 
desperately trying to trying to get that win. It just felt it came across, didn't it? Like it was the most important match in the world to them, and it yeah. was just. I think that yeah made it all the more crushing when they when they did eventually lose. Um, and again, losing to Minoru Suzuki, gotch pile driver for Kyle Fletcher again. Not not it's not going to kill his career by any means. If anything, yeah, it kind of creates some more heat, doesn't it, for for going forward? Hopefully. Yeah, I just thought, um, obviously we talk a lot about how Aussie Open are great at that final stretch for the last five minutes or whatever. They set up that, that mo- mm. those moments perfectly oh early Kyle on with Fletcher. Suzuki. Yeah. yeah, Fletcher going straight after Suzuki straight away, oh. you know, trying to prove himself to the old man <laughs> and just getting beaten up for it. It was, yeah. it was fantastic and compelling and it set, it set up the idea that Suzuki was going to beat Fletcher and Davis was going to be held back from it and that image of you know Fletcher almost getting Suzuki and then Suzuki coming back and Gotch Power driving him, defeating mm-hmm. him, and Fletcher being uh, Davis being held back by ZSJ in the submission hold. You know that was you know incredibly exciting. Mm-hmm. And Mark Davis is one of the best at sort of selling that um, like devastation on his face, <laughs> mm-hmm. seeing his mate and his brother basically getting destroyed. By Suzuki and having the, the chance lost, you know, I, mm. I I loved that dynamic. I thought it was really well explored. Yeah, definitely. Like I say, they're, they're both. I mean, they're obviously so so talented. Gotten, they've almost won the fact that they won the progress belt this year. The fact that they've had such a great year. I I think as long for me as long as it comes at some point, I'm quite happy. Yeah. You know, as long as they do win these belts at some point, you didn't have to do it now. Again, coming in the shadow of that progress win, it w- would have been maybe strange timing for it. I see the argument for it because personally, yeah, you know that they're a team that you could put on those cockpit shows, couldn't you? You could headline with Aussie Open doing tag defenses, uh, which you're probably not going to not going to get the chance to do with Suzuki and and ZSJ. Um, but yeah, I think for me, as long as it does come eventually, I mean, they're still. The TV's ongoing, and they're in a, a tournament, aren't they, to to get a different yeah. tag title shot, which is a bit of a an odd thing with some of the the weird timeline issues we have a little bit in Rev Pro at the moment. And yeah, just for me, it's kind of like just seeing them both, you know, in singles as tags, losing a lot of these these big matches in Rev Pro. I just hope this is the big loss that's the the catalyst to to a win a win yeah. eventually down the line. I think as long as it's part of a bigger story, I think you can. Yeah, I think I'm definitely happy with it there. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. Like, that is always the thing in the back of your mind. Like, will they get the opportunity to beat these guys or will they, you know, need certain things to go their way um, in regards to the New Japan Rev Pro relationship to make that even happen? Mm. That is always the worry. And that is obviously something 2019 Rev Pro will have to deal with. Mm. <laughs> but for now, this felt like the biggest match of their life and the biggest loss of their life. And it felt, you know, it felt really emotional. And, you know, Rev Pro often gets accused of just being the dream match promotion and nothing matters outside of the, of the vacuum of the match. Mm. This one felt like it had been, again, built up to really well, sold really well. And the conclusion of it felt incredibly meaningful. So, I mean, Rev Pro nailed it on this show in regards to those up and down the card not like the feeling that the actual wins and losses mattered mm. well what did you make it i mean what were the highlights from the show i mean I, for me walter kojima was something i was really looking forward to going in um i think there was there was definitely an issue there wasn't there with uh, walter hitting a, a german suplex to, to kojima where he definitely took a, a weird bump didn't he um we got a bit of a an anticlimactic finish in that one uh it yeah. almost you could see 
there was a point in the match where Walter looked like he was clearly talking to Kojima, telling him to to hit the lariat, and then clearly telling him to pin him, and then even having a conversation. It looked like with Joel, the, re- the referee, telling him to to count the three the three counts. That was a, a little bit disappointing, but I think it was real ish life issues that that maybe came to play mm-hmm. there that maybe hurt it a bit too, uh, and also the fact that yeah, Walter's kind of. At the moment, I mean, he came in with big ideas of, you know, being involved in the title picture. He's kind of cooled off a little bit in RevPro. He's a bit lower down in the card. Um, still getting to have, you know, big matches with Kojima. He turned down a, a defiant booking to, to come over and do this match. Uh, so I'm sure he's still happy. Uh, do you read anything into that, into to Walter's placement on the, on the shows? And what did you make of it as a match? Oh yeah, it's the match first of all. Like it is a shame that it ended the way it did because I thought Kojima's selling was absolutely on point. <laughs> it was well um, up for it, was he? Almost did the Trent Seven yeah. bump, didn't he? On one of the chops, he was well <laughs> up for selling for Walter. Oh yeah, like he was loving it, and I guess knowing that this was maybe more storyline important, and mm. it wasn't just you know faffing around. Actually, since he's sort of been put out the pasture in New Japan, and he doesn't really have much to do there now. You know, he's latching on to... I mean, this is his big match for the for these few months. Mm. Um, so, he's, of course, he's going to go out there and he can still go better than any of those, any of those third-generation guys, the, the New Japan dads, <laughs> as we know them. Um, he's still the guy who can go at, at a world-class level. Um, so it's, it's nice to see him still do that. Nice to see him going all out to make Walter look good. And, yeah, a shame about the finish being so abrupt. Um, but they certainly set up Kojima Bodum very nicely. Um, we'll talk a bit more about Bodum later. And yeah, I, de- I would definitely read something into Walter losing here. Um, you know, Ring Camp Philosopher, Sonata and Evil as well. Mm. It does, and obviously the WXW stuff with WWE, um, it definitely does feel like, yeah, this is maybe the landscape shifting before our eyes and Walter and his Rev Pro deal sort of feeling like I'll get in all my matches with the New Japan guys while I can, mm. <laughs> because soon it won't be con- contractually available for me to do it. So, and I want to do it, but not so much. But I want to go work for New Japan. Yeah, that's um, if, if we kind of, if Walters, I mean, we got to see the EC match as well, but yeah, 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 it, that was a major match. So yeah. we got to see that, but yeah, I think I, the the proper Walter run that we were all earlier in the year wishing for it in new japan i don't think happen. it's gonna happen it's not happening is it? instead we're kind of getting these matches where they're in the middle of the card and they're very good but he's very much kind of the junior participants in the match as well isn't he? he's kind of like the i don't know but because he's not even on the cards maybe to be a new japan guy it feels like the the dynamic changes there as well obviously kojima was up for for selling for him but it does feel like yeah he's on there's only certain people he's going to be facing at this point if yeah if those rumors do to come to fruition and he's yeah not going to be belong for rev pro yeah but i do i again instead of it ending on like a downer of walter losing and everyone going oh wwe wwe Slight you know they immediately pivot and go <laughs> to josh Bowden <laughs> with a loaf of bread <laughs> with a loaf of bread <laughs> declaring <laughs> war on the bread club uh, i felt bad Kojima. for him he kind I mean, of messed his promo up a little bit didn't he, he stumbled over his words a little bit <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's kind of just but coming it, out it and, works he, he, I it think works. him being the dick who just comes out and challenges people like he did for Ridgeway yeah. and like he did here, like you say, he, he can get away. If he's going to stumble over his words and, and get heat, it kind of works for for Bowden, doesn't it? I kind of like this. I, because Bowden, you know, his real life persona and his character are basically the same thing. Mm. 
it works for him <laughs> you know if he screw it's a bit like zach gibson if he screws something up it only gives him more heat because that is who he is um and yeah it's sort of the announcement that he's going heavyweight very new japan-esque but it it feels really major because his match against ridgeway very good match another one on the undercard mm. um and the way he's wrestling now is just like gives no fucks you know <laughs> hard hitting um you know it's very intriguing and i, I it's unique really to have just a guy who you hate beat up people and be a dick about it <laughs> <laughs> that's it it's yeah. it's compelling and i want to i'm very excited for kojima bodum i think that's a great dynamic and it mm. feels like bodum is now you know he is getting a, a step up you know the the move to heavyweight isn't just because he's a bit bigger it, it feels like more like we're taking this guy really seriously now and potentially pivoting him towards an issue main event mm. next year i could definitely see that happening they had a great match a few years ago um i think it was at summer sizzler 2016 i want to say mm. and bodum's only gotten better since then you know we only really see him in row pro so it's maybe more difficult to scout him a bit but it does really feel like now is his time to start main eventing some of these shows because he's over enough mm. he's good enough and he's got that character that everybody hates um and also i enjoy the uh kojima defending as a kojima as a previous champion carnival winner and triple crown winner defending all japan's honor from <laughs> josh bodum who got kicked off the tour <laughs> there you go yeah another reason to just want bodum to get kicked or chopped in the face which is just yeah, yeah it's perfect role isn't it in rev pro you get to we'll get to see that and yeah if we do get to see that that big match with uh with ishii that'd be that'd be great too uh to get to see them again in there and- again together and yeah I also want to talk about MK McKinnon because mm. he he's finally back. <laughs> really, he's yeah, he's someone who I mean I don't know what you, where your mileage. I mean it kind of links into you know we were going to talk about the TV next as well. Uh, obviously yeah. you know he had a, a great match here with Mike Bailey too, but he's someone who I think in the past I, I always heard the hype coming out of Wolverhampton Forum, but never really saw him in the promotions I was watching during his pomp. And yeah, he's made this comeback and he's kind of quietly been having matches and he hasn't looked the best on fight club pro shows but again back in the deep end isn't he after a, a couple of years off yeah i definitely thought uh at uprising and going forward with the tv as well i do think uh we're starting to see maybe a little bit of uh why he was uh so hyped just a, a few years ago prior to the the big brit res boom yeah it was it was before like 2014 when i really started going to the shows i think it was like 2012 2013 ref pro were using him as like the future mk mckinnon um and you know really hyping up the idea that he'd be their next guy and then um i think he went to like go to uni i think um Mm. and also i think he had like um a medical issue or something so sort of a combined issue of real life getting in the way and his body getting in the way that forced him to stop wrestling but when he finished um you know finished his studies he came back sort of about this time last year in fight club pro but he definitely you know he had a bit of a paunch which is why he was he's been wearing the singlet even <laughs> like he took the singlet off almost immediately here like he's fully back in shape now he doesn't need it um but yeah like he like he was very much sort of dipping his toe in with sort of the company who'd be nice to him and like that he was already embedded in in fight club pro um but uh, you know after about six months of wrestling sort of mediocre matches in fight club pro you know he was clearly shaking off his ring rust and since then Revpro have been using him and fight club pro have been using him really his two main promotions from his first run 
and you know he's having these killer matches now he had a great match with josh bodum on the tv mm. um and this is his best match maybe ever against mike bailey who is one of the best in the world if ddt would get him off the kids table more often mm-hmm. um he'd be able to show it more yeah, definitely. I, I think I've got plenty of uh, positives to say about Bailey uh, when we get to uh, some progress review later. But if Bailey kind of, yeah, set, as we've said a few times on the show, if he was going to set up home anywhere, I'd love to see him just in the UK constantly on yeah. shows. Like I mean, this. I, I like him in DDT. He really fits, and he's got a great tag team with Malva. Mm. But like, they use him so often in like the comedy undercard matches. Like, he he just isn't a main event wrestler there, even though he clearly is able to be. Mm. Um, and yeah, like it is annoying that we don't get because he's clearly capable of just having bangers all year round, but he only really gets his spots now and then. Mm. Yeah, that's the kind of the issue, isn't it? Yeah, we don't don't get to see a, a huge amount of him. But yeah, as I said, I think he'd he'd be someone maybe if they do a second run of the TV, maybe they could use him a bit more. Um, yeah. Have you been keeping up with the TV? I mean, it's we're up to episodes three and four. We've gone through now. Um, bit a bit weird that like the. Episode four happened as Uprising was happening as well. Kind yeah. of speaks to the weird because I mean the majority of the people who are going to want to watch that TV show are going to be in that building, yeah. yeah, in York Hall. And I think a problem I had I was busy on Friday and I was really struggling to find another way to see the show mm. unless you can park yourself in front of a TV for admittedly one of the many replays. It's it's actually kind of hard to catch up with the uh, with the Rev Pro TV. I'm still very much enjoying it though. Um, it's a very low key watch. It feels a bit like maybe it's the kevin kelly factor but you know the roh tv um as it's been the last few years where it's it's always solid it's always doing everything right um just an easy one hour watch um but yeah it's it's kind of we're bedding into episodes three and four now we've got a there's another episode coming up this weekend a little bit later than the normal i think it's got 11 p.m time slot because free sports are running some weird sport like bowling or something like that for two, for two hours <laughs> um no slight on it. it's not like the itv issue where uh, it's getting moved around the schedule for ratings or or anything like that um, the, the but... oberhausen open has <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe it's taken it's over the time slot. <laughs> yeah um i mean what have you made of the, the tv uh, over the last couple of weeks uh we've very high on the first two episodes did uh three and four keep your attention yeah as you say it's sort of been quite low-key there's usually like one very good match on each show and then maybe some more fuddy ones um but as you say like it's very very easy to watch i've been watching it with my parents some weeks as well which is always fun to show them uh you know proper wrestling that i actually enjoy so (laughs) (laughs) if nothing else there's that um but yeah the the team White Wolf versus the Aussie Open match from week three, and then from this week, uh, Bowden versus McKinnon, mm. both very good matches. And you know, if if you managed to catch it live or in one of the replays, um, you know, it was definitely very enjoyable. And the stories that have been progressing have been interesting. Mm. Um, sometimes it's gotten a little bit convoluted, um, but it, you know, they're getting over Great Okan really well. Um, they're getting over some other guys. It's it's been very easy to follow um and it you know they're promising a lot of good matches in the future you know they're still building up chris ridgeway versus zsj uh cck versus uh, el fantasmo and liger um so there's stuff to keep tuning in for every week even if it is very low key Mm. (laughs) you know it's not slamming it in your face like uh world of sport is and you almost feel like it could maybe be a bit less timid and like maybe slam something in your face a bit more often Mm. um but I'm not saying it's like boring or anything. It's just like 
there's not a whole lot of like glitz to it <laughs> which i i'm okay with but maybe other people need a bit more of that excitement injected into it it's got that very it's got a similar quality to what we're going to talk about a little bit later we're going to talk about nxt uk which for my sins i've been trying to keep up with as well and that's got the same issue where it doesn't feel for other reasons doesn't always feel urgent viewing i think the thing with yeah. rev pro though is because it's such an easy watch although i might you know not think i'm not really going to bother parking myself in front of the tv you know 11 o'clock this friday as long as i can find the episodes via some means to be able to watch them i'd quite happily sit there and binge three or four episodes of it because mm-hmm. it is such an easy watch you know as you mentioned you know none of the matches uh you talked about you know mp mckinnon and josh Bowden. it was a match that was on the latest episode that was very different to if they worked a match on your call show i think they would have worked it you know, more, you know, all guns blazing, trying to go for the best possible match out there. And seeing those two guys work more of a, a TV style match, it's almost, I don't know, it's in, in, a, in a one hour block, the matches are built in a very digestible way. So you're not going to be yeah. watching something and expecting it to be five stars, but you're going to get, you know, solid, good TV action. And that's kind of what they're delivering. I mean, I, the latest episode, uh, El Fantasma and Josh uh, and uh, Jonathan Gresham was very much uh, what I was looking forward to on that show. And again, not a match that I'm going to say, oh yeah, it's going to turn out to be my match of the year um, considerations. Yeah. But as far as well work, TV main events and getting to see Gresham sink his teeth into a bit of a heel role, I didn't love the finish. I think they went, they went to the, the, there's a couple of finishes on the shows the last few weeks where they've gone, again, it being a TV show, you're getting a little bit more creative with the, the DQs and that type of stuff, but they are trying to get CCK over as heels, but they're the kind of matches you can expect, aren't you, on the, on this show, just fun TV stuff, almost popcorn matches that you can you can yeah. just enjoy <laughs> yeah, and also yeah, follow the analyse every single moment of it, because mm. they're not gunning for five stars. So yeah, it, like it is better for better and for worse but yeah the tv style does make it a lot more digestible as you say you're not like you know i've got to really watch this match to make sure i know exactly what star rating to put it in my grapple app (laughs) (laughs) that's it and plus you get to see shah samuels being better the better shah samuels than itv ever present to the mouse as well yeah and you get to see little character bits like that and you get to see groto khan being again developed as a character maybe a little bit better than he was in the early days of just being thrown cold on on rev pro shows uh there's definitely positives from that point of view as well gives the gives the wrestlers you know something to seek the teeth into like a week-to-week uh idea maybe a better idea of who their characters are and maybe flesh that side of things out as well so yeah while it's maybe not urgent viewing it's still it's still been fun viewing going forward and yeah i'm certainly mm-hmm. uh still going to be tuning in every week even if even if not everybody is the ratings haven't shown any sign of improvement it's still <laughs> still not showing up in the top 15s uh, for the channel still doing presumably less than six or seven thousand the uh the one person with a with a bar box in the UK who uh, who maybe watches all the wrestling doesn't seem to be tuned in at the moment. Um, but again, there's, I don't think there's any cause to worry. I think it's gonna gonna rumble on. Um, and again, it gives a uh, gives the free sports just something different to have on Friday nights, doesn't it? And hopefully, uh, at some point, uh, maybe when people start to notice that free sports is a channel that they can get, and maybe when maybe if they had maybe a added maybe a bit of a maybe an online presence for people like me uh maybe words will uh mm. will get out of it more and hopefully those yeah. ratings will uh will improve at some point it, it'll end right around christmas so i think we might have to wait until next year to get any word of a, a series two mm. so to speak but 
I'm quietly confident that it would happen because mm. there's not too much pressure to have like blow away ratings. It's more just about the diversity of shows on free sports. So I think they can definitely get there and hopefully get some more tapings in the bag. Maybe not uh you know five shows per night taping. Mm. <laughs> Maybe spread it a bit bit more over over a few more days just to not burn the crowd out completely but yeah i'm you know fingers crossed i'm enjoying it so far definitely well let's talk a little bit about uh progress then their uh chapter 77 dropped uh well they happened three days before our last show vod as as is with progress took five to seven days to drop so it's only now we're uh we're able to talk about it uh like i mentioned at the start of the show there's been another chapter since then that i was at live so be able to go into a bit more detail on that i think it's yeah definitely i think that maybe the problem is yeah it being a little while since so it kind of sometimes the progress shows can drop out of the the news cycle just because so much happens so quickly in brit res but let's talk uh highlights from the show i mean i think the big highlight and the big talking points is zach saber jr and walter in the main event um that's something that again i think progress had been uh, that was the initial plan for it to go to Wembley and for that to be the big main event. So a little bit of a shame that they had to do the match just kind of quietly uh, on a chapter. Um, but still, a match that I've heard people you know talking up as potentially uh, one of the matches of the year. I really enjoyed it. I maybe wouldn't go that far. I think it was everything I expected it to be. It was Zack Sabre Jr. and, and Walter in the match. So you're going to get realistic power from Walter and realistic limb work from Zack Sabre Jr. and plenty of uh, interesting stories within the match to, to sink your teeth into. But where did you land on this one, Ollie? Did, did, uh, you mentioned on our last show that you had uh, you went uh, five stars with uh, with Osprey Walter. Did you go anywhere near, near it for this one? Did it, did it even give you the fear? Uh, well, you can check out my grapple app. <laughs> profile to to see what star rating i gave it a nice 3.5 point. um <laughs> but that's still very good um you know five is reserved for the best i only have four five star matches this year um and only two from europe ever so it's it's a very elite company that uh that osprey walter matches in so i don't, I don't think uh Australian walter should be hanging their heads in shame that they didn't <laughs> uh, make that marker but yeah i i really enjoyed this match i don't think it was anything like incredibly special it's probably not the best match these two have ever had together um but yeah it definitely had that realistic action that you really want to see and it felt you know it felt a bit um punky it felt a bit underground it felt a bit uh 2015 progress <laughs> mm. um you know it felt like the sort of match we should be seeing out of progress those sort of you know, throw it all at the wall to see what sticks main events that feature, you know, a lot of very real looking, real feeling action um, from the two, basically the two top stars in Europe right now. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was a very exciting match. Um, the only real problem is that nobody thought that Zach would be winning ever. So mm. it was hard to buy some of his his closer moments. Um, but, yeah, like the like the feeling of Walter, like, grabbing zach by the throat and you know only being able to hold him by one hand uh, one arm even so like he's like chucking him around with only one arm because zach's been working on his other one that was really really exciting (laughs) and that's what you want to see out of progress um you know those you know signature shots where something crazy is happening and we definitely got that here definitely i I wonder i mean to to your point that you said before i wonder if we'd have bought zach saber winning if this had happened at wembley 
Because um, yeah. the thing with him, isn't it? You don't expect him to be at it. He's like a special attraction in progress, isn't he? Um, yeah, I always called him the, uh, the Green Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, yeah. Parachutes in. And I think uh, Tyler Bates, I, again, watching the match back, I think if I'd have been, you know, been there live and saw the main event live, I would have been probably been buying the fact that Tyler could win. So maybe, you know, if I was watching it live, they might have pulled me in. Um, but yeah, I'm not so sure. It, it, in hindsight, bit of an maybe a bit of an odd choice to have gone with that for the for the Wembley main event. Um, again, like like they like they proved here, you can guarantee you're going to get a great match out of it. Um, but yeah, I was the same as you. There wasn't really a point where watching it, I could even really suspend uh, disbelief that that Zack Saber could win mm-hmm. as good as the work was in the match. And you know there was lots of great selling in the match. They were both you know pretty much dead on the canvas towards the end of the match, just both selling different elements of the body, both masters at that stuff. And the finish came with the the typical, you know, Walter Emel fusion out of nowhere. What, what's he calling that thing? Is he giving it a name yet? Fire Thunder Driver. I mean, that's what I, <laughs> that's what I call it for. I mean, it's Shuji Ishikawa's move from All Japan. Um, mm. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming Walter has not stolen it, but <laughs> borrowed it off of Shuji. <laughs> Um, we need a, we need to, I'm we need sure to it's been used by other people before yeah obviously mm. it's kind of like a, an emerald flosion type move but yeah I, I know it as that after screaming it every time Shuji Shikawa uses it <laughs> <laughs> that's it but it's the death move isn't it and it comes yeah. and, it, and it just kills his opponents and yeah that's what Walter is you know big boss i think uh, as end boss ott are doing better than anybody but i do think progress are doing a good job of just letting them have these matches on top there's another one i'm going to talk about in a minute that that he had on the manchester show too so yeah certainly a really a strong main event if yeah maybe if i wasn't going match of the year um i mean any other notes on again it's been a couple of weeks but any other notes on this chapter anything sticking out to you from progress was the any the... other highlights you have from this show <laughs> well I, I have a low light um i mean it's almost it's shooting fish in a barrel for, for the house of couture at the moment um okay. but yeah the breakup for some reason happening i i did not understand that at all and <laughs> like I, I i don't know i couldn't honestly tell you why the other two didn't like laura di Matteo and Ginny now <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know i don't understand it. i was there in wembley i was there live in the building and i had genuinely no idea that the that the stable had even broken up apparently that yeah look Ginny and laura pushed the rest of them into the the path of jordan grace but yeah being there live in, in that big venue i didn't notice uh and they haven't really yet done a very good job of there explaining why Ginny and laura are running around in in matching jeans now and a and a best mates again and I'm- why the, yeah. the stable I never cared about, full of characters they never explained, <laughs> yeah. uh, and that never had any interesting matches, broke up for a reason that I can't explain. <laughs> <laughs> so when, like, when That's do the like Nation of Domination, they split up into the DOA and the, the, uh, the, uh, the basically, basically bikers versus gang members versus lost periquas and it was just like, I didn't care about the initial stable, never mind <laughs> the split up. And that's what we've got here, because Isla Dawn and Millie McKenzie seem to be being set up as a bit of a team um again you've got charlie morgan and nina samuels who have now got this weird gripe against Ginny and laura Matteo. god knows if the faces or heels certainly couldn't tell from yeah the way they were booked on this show just yeah the the, the stable that yeah none of us were ever interested in now we're probably gonna get three months worth of uh tag matches from bit of a bit of our book in there certainly uh, any other highlights from the show or lowlights uh 
no I, let's talk <laughs> chapter 78 <laughs> that's I mean, maybe more relevant <laughs> definitely yeah like i say it wasn't a, a hugely no- noteworthy show that chapter 77 i did enjoy gino gambino and trent seven i thought it was a, a fun comedy match that got yeah, serious like there's but... always room for trent seven comedy on progress like i'm never gonna complain about that he's a master <laughs> of it that's it yeah that was certainly fun but yeah certainly not a, not a lot to write home about on that show but chapter 78 in manchester i've got to say one of the better progress shows I've been to or seen. Uh, I don't know what it was. I think the this was this last Sunday. They'd not ran the Ritz in Manchester, which is their normal venue since February uh, earlier this year. They've been back to Manchester and they did that uh, quote-unquote big Victoria Warehouse show, uh, which was, again, a good show. But I think, yeah, something about being back in this venue just brought the best out in progress. I've seen a, a few people kind of say it that, Maybe the electric ballroom has lost a little bit of that special atmosphere that it had in the past. Whereas the Ritz, I don't know. Maybe it's uh, it's us, us Northerners. Maybe been mm. starved for uh, yeah. For not having a, a show there for nine months yeah. will definitely lead to a better atmosphere than if you're there every other week. There's something about that crowd that's just more up for, and it's traditionally been the way. Mm. I think it's. I don't know. There's a very football atmosphere to it, and there's just yeah. yeah, The venue's got the venue looks incredible in person. It never looked quite as good on the Progress VOD. Uh, I don't know what the issue is there. Whether there's an issue with the setup or the lighting that they have, but in person, yeah, I can't think of a better venue. Uh, As far as the show itself goes, I would genuinely put the first half of the show up against any Progress show from the past and pretty much against most of the shows I've seen this year. Um, We talked earlier in the show about Speedball Mike Bailey. Mm -hmm. Him getting his Progress debut here was just absolutely perfect. He was in there (laughs) against Eddie Dennis. And, you know, most people in the crowd know Mike Bailey, but maybe your hardcore progress fans who aren't watching the other stuff might not have known him. But, yeah, he, he certainly made himself known immediately. Eddie Dennis is doing this weird, almost tweener gimmick at the moment. That was something they set up at Chapter 77, where he's almost unsure whether he's a babyface or a heel, which is a little bit odd. Um, so they played that into the match a little bit as well, but pretty much the entire audience got into Bailey with his constant you know offense with his knees and his mm. backflips and his stomps and his his back sentons he just there's something special about watching him and i think in person as well getting to see uh, how hard he strikes uh, and just getting him to yeah to see him in this something of an underdog role there with eddie dennis and i think uh, although he lost which isn't the ideal debut um that's a that's a trope that i don't like in wrestling mm. uh bringing people in and then making them lose straight away eddie dennis is somebody that you know progress are clearly behind it did take two next stop drivers to do it to beat him as well and again he got a bit of an ovation after the match as well and i think i mean you you know we talked about mike bailey earlier but i do think i don't know if you'd agree mike bailey's the kind of person who I'm glad Progress are starting to use now because that their cards oh, have felt absolutely. very stale, and he's going to add a, a breath of fresh air, isn't he? Yeah, I mean he's perfect for Progress, I think, because it's a place that he has never worked before. It's a place where some people might not have seen him before. Mm. I really, really hope they start using him on every single show going forward mm. because he's he's one of the best in the world, and not he's not like a trendy best in the world pick. Mm. So I think Progress is a sort of place where he can get a lot of traction. Um, by working it a lot um and yeah there's so many exciting matchups they can put him in he's a, a breath of fresh air in there he doesn't have anything to do with the past of progress so he doesn't feel stale at all mm. which a fair few of their characters do 
Uh, he's absolutely the guy I would pin on. Like, I really hope they don't just bring him back a couple of times just to keep losing because, mm. you know, he's always up for a job. <laughs> I think that, that might be my only criticism of Mike Bailey is that he want, he loses too much. He wants to get everyone else over because he's such a nice lad and loves wrestling. Mm. But he sometimes loses a bit of Star Wars because of it. So I hope they bring him back and give him a proper push because he's fantastic. He's yeah. the only per- I think he's the only person, possibly Zach. I don't know about Zach. I'll have to check the notebook. Um, <laughs> and obviously Walter. Um, he's the only person other than Walter who... Um, no, actually not even Walter. Possibly not Walter. He's the only person, I think, who has four matches above four stars in four different countries this wow. year for me. <laughs> so he's he's a world traveler and he's bloody brilliant. So <laughs> progress. Yeah. Mike Bailey, do it. Do it now. <laughs> do it. Well, that was the thing. I think this, this show in Manchester was kind of filled with the first half and i think what made it so fresh made it so exciting was that yeah we had mike bailey there but also in the yeah. first half was that the opening match or that was the opening like match, at the beginning yeah. of the show yeah it i was, feel yeah. like kicking kicking off with that would you know spark the crowd off a bit more than that's exactly what it did it got yeah. people going it gave people a, a fresh name to get into but the like i say this first half did that a lot jordan devlin was in there with chris ridgeway Devlin's someone who we've been screaming that, you know, if progress we've got yeah. this WWE tie in, why aren't you using Jordan Devlin <laughs> yeah, more? Definitely. Instead of using your muscle cats and the, and you, again, I throw him under the bus a lot, but you like to see your Joseph Cotters or your Wolfgangs, Jordan Devlin is tailor made, perfect to use. And definitely. again, he definitely, I mean, he had a great show in its super strong style, but here against Chris Ridgeway, where they're both like a similar size and in some respects depending on when devlin turns it off and on they've got a bit of a similar style at least when, again when devlin is more up for doing the because he's got it in his locker he can do the you know the hard strike submission based almost faux mma type stuff that he was in there doing with chris ridgeway um and showing that he's got that that side of his personality as well he gave the card something fresh Paul Robinson, after that match, came out and challenged Chris Ridgway. Bit odd, Ridgway was a loser in the match, but I'll forgive it. Another fresh thing that you can do. And the main event of the first half had David Starr and Ilya Dragunov, which again, Ilya is a perfect candidate of someone if you want to freshen up these progress cards. Mm-hmm. If WXW have that, that also have that NXT slash WWE relationship, we're probably going to see more of Ilya Dragunov in, in progress. But getting to see him, I'm not hugely into the fact that he lost at Wembley and then this match with David Starr went to a double DQ. Yeah, you've got to um, give him a, a big victory to like <laughs> cement him there, yeah. That's the thing. I, I kind of would like to see him get a big win and this was a match where, again, I probably would have gone four star, four and a half star plus. I was so into it. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, Travis Banks came out to, uh, to for his big return in progress to ruin <laughs> Interfering the match. Interfering in another match. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I feel like you could have done it the after. Wrong there, yeah. I, feel, I feel like David Starr could easily take a loss to Ilya and it wouldn't be the end of the world. Uh, I do, I, I mean, I get it in some respects. I think, I mean, the Progress fans are always going to want to treat Travis Banks, especially a wrestler like him who's coming back from injury. He had that bizarre promo on Wembley. Um, but the fact that, yeah, he's someone that fans are going to want to cheer. I kind of get doing it, and it, it did ensure that he got booed. Um, so, yeah, maybe a, a mixed feelings on that, maybe a minor mm. negative for me. But, yeah, that was kind of my big takeaway from the show. Having that big first half with so many it felt like fresh faces in progress gave me reason to be positive uh second half was you know more of a mixed bag still great 
There was a five-second Trent Seven attack Gibson match that I've seen people fuming about online. Trent Seven avenging his six-second loss from uh, against Matt Riddle at Super Strong Style. Um, to be honest, they went about 15 minutes on the microphone, and I think after that, and they are both so good on the microphone, I don't really think anyone in the building was really desperate for a match <laughs> at that point. So if you were going to do that, for me, it worked. It, it worked there, but yeah, people's mileage may vary. But yeah, that, that was fun. Uh, if a little bit weird, and the second half I had kind of a main event of of Walter and Mark Haskins as well, which was something that going in, I was quietly ex- expecting to be a good match because it's Walter in a main event. But I certainly didn't expect to get pulled into Mark Haskins. Mark Haskins is someone who I've not been into in progress for a good couple of years now. Mm. I never would have bought him beating Walter, but again, maybe it was a couple of the moderately slash slightly expensively priced pints having there in the Ritz <laughs> in Manchester, but I was into it and I was feeling, you know, the, the, the Mark Haskins near falls. So if anything says, you know, you mentioned there Walter are appearing in your notebook so many times, uh, if anything kind of solidifies that, the fact that, yeah, he could make me believe here with Mark Haskins, who, you know, for a little while has been a, what, one of my least favorite wrestlers, then that certainly says a lot about Walter and does say a lot about about Mark Haskins as well that he can he can still turn it on in a, in these big matches. Um, I've attempted you there. You're interested in this one. Are you looking forward oh, to see it on VOD? Yeah, I mean, con- considering what you've said and what other people have said about this show, um, you know, this is the most interested I've been in a, a apart from the Wembley show, which I was always going to watch. Um, this is the most interested I've been in a, a regular progress show mm. in quite a while. Um, partly just to see Mike Bailey <laughs> um, because I do like him a lot. Um, but yeah, there's some stuff. Uh, I mean, the main event as well with a, an apparently good Haskins match. <laughs> uh, and we I all know he's got that. it, don't we? It's kind yeah, of just, obviously, obviously. We've just, all seen it so many times. That's the problem with him. It's just staying this in progress. Yeah, mm. it, it, it does hurt him. But yeah, obviously he's still really good. But mm. yeah, I'm excited to see him in, in a relevant match, I suppose. Um, yeah, I'll definitely check that one out. Um, check out the Manchester crowd. Um, yeah, definitely. yeah, I'm I'd, re- <laughs> I'd recommend it. I mean, again, not everything was perfect. We did get the women in the second match again, um, but in f- defense of progress, I think Isla Dawn had the booking somewhere else, maybe somewhere in Scotland, and Lana Austin had the, had the booking somewhere else. She was making a debut and she did do very well, um, so we can forgive them there, but yeah, yeah. certainly not when, a perfect when... show, but. When Lord Briley deems it so, I shall watch it. <laughs> there we go. Five to seven days, Ollie. Five to seven days. <laughs> uh, speaking of progress and uh, some of their wrestlers, I suppose it's a bit of a tie-in. Uh, I did want to note as well, uh, the NXT UK, just a, a couple of notes from their show over the last few weeks. We're certainly not going to go through uh, everything that's happened because the six episodes in. It'll be eight by the time most people hear this, Ollie, as they start to to put out the Birmingham tapes. Um, they're doing two a week now just because they've got so much in the can, <laughs> which just kind of says everything about the, the level of importance these uh, these shows have. But I did want to give a shout-out. I mean, one highlight from the last couple of episodes, uh, Pete Dunne and Danny Birch, I thought, had a really good match uh, on episode five. Danny Birch is someone who, again, you know, similar to what I was saying about Haskins, I would never buy him beating Pete Dunne, but within, you know, in a vacuum of the match, did a great job of making you believe in him. Do to be 
do seem to really like him neither he's been around forever hasn't he in wwe you know doing jobs on nxt and just generally just being someone that they've always they've always got on the end of the phone if they if, if they need you know a brit for a spot so it was no surprise to find him on nxt uk but yeah he had a really good match with pete dunn where a lot of pete dunn heat in the match and a lot of joint manipulation and finger manipulation the evil side of pete dunn and just lots of great babyface fire from danny birch as well so yeah i just want to take a second to recommend that if people aren't watching the full episodes uh have you been watching any of it ollie i don't think you're uh, <laughs> <laughs> have i persuaded you in any way it is a it's a tough uh ask with yeah, so it's... much of it coming out and so much other product about to uh to be interested at this point yeah i mean like even regardless of nxt uk like i'm interested in it it's just right now wwe the the big the big letters the big banner is mm. just impossible to sell me on unfortunately just a variety of things um you know partly saudi arabia but not all of it it's just in general i'm just not interested at all in what they have so even a sub 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 brand um which i am vaguely interested in mm. i just don't want i don't want to have anything to do with it right now mm. <laughs> it's just <laughs> that's my choice um yeah. maybe one day they can win me back over <laughs> i mean if if they just sold like the nxt uk episodes on their own maybe i'd get them but like right now i'm just not interested in wwe anything no that's fair enough i mean again and, and even if you were desperate to see nxt uk there's nothing that jumps out from you know the shows that yeah. you know, i'm gonna go other than you know you get the odd match like that but you know Joe Coffey and his heel group with his brother and Wolfgang yeah. doing bad <laughs> it's WWE. A tough sell on <laughs> some of some of the talents in there. They're doing bad WWE, staring at the hard cam promos, and yeah, it, it it makes me struggle to maybe recommend it too highly. I mean, over the last couple of weeks, they've uh, been solidifying Eddie Dennis as a as a heel with his kind of he, he battered Sid Scala on the latest episode, where he's kind of putting over the fact that yeah, he's waited a decade for this opportunity, he's going to take mm. it. There was a uh, Zach Gibson and Trent Seven uh, promo battle similar to to Manchester, just maybe not quite as good. And yeah, the, the undercards are kind of lots of you know El Ligero is underdog babyface, Dave Mastiff is big man squashing. Uh, have you ever heard of this anonymous wrestler, Ollie? Uh, Damian Weir. I um, might mention nope. him. He, he looks no. a little bit like a, a certain chief deputy who doesn't like fun. Nah. Um, <laughs> <you might recognize>. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit odd considering progress is, is canon that's, yeah, in NXT that's very UK. Strange. Yeah. Uh, they're getting behind Jordan Devlin as well. He's very much, he seems to point at, point at his flag on his tights a lot. They're trying to go over the Irish thing. He comes out as, they only announce him as Irish champ though. They don't say OTT. I don't know if they're in the bad books or what. <laughs> um, but he's a good example as well because he's a he had a match with kenny williams on, on that last episode where again an enjoyable tv match but a match where i'm watching it thinking i can watch jordan devil and have matches 10 times this good elsewhere um so again just not hugely appointment viewing with nxt uk and i think mm. unlike the rev pro tv it's not something where at least i've found when you sit down and you try and binge it i do find it a bit tough they are full-on one hour shows and it's a lot of the same stuff it's decent crowds wrestlers that we all like but just in relatively uninspiring surroundings so uh, i've been burned too many times by wwe uh, (laughs) caring about their stories when they don't and just spending too much time worrying (laughs) about it and then nothing coming out like caring about it and then your cares not being given any reason to exist <laughs> you know it's just it's very tough right now yeah like 
not interested. <laughs> Caring about WWE is the is the fatal mistake. Definitely not one to make. Yeah, um, I mean, I yeah, maybe one day I'll be able to, uh, you know, keep it at arm's length and still enjoy NXT UK. But <laughs> today is not that day. <laughs> I mean, one thing that you, you were raving about and something a lot of the internet's been raving about a, a match that happened in April. Got released in August, but then all of a sudden, the internet had been going crazy about AK than Zack Sabre Jr. from White, uh, White Wolf Wrestling, Dave Meltzer raving about it, the uh, your compatriots at uh, Voices of Wrestling raving about it as well. Uh, great to see uh, a match like that that uh, you know we've touched on in the past. We've talked a little bit about White Wolf Wrestling and about A-Kid. Um, great to see that getting a bit of publicity in uh, yeah, European wrestling uh, out there in the forefront and uh, plenty of people checking that out uh, for free on YouTube. Yeah, it's what A-Kid and Chase Slash, Carlos Romo now have been doing all year is sort of in very weird and unexpected ways grabbing the attention, grabbing the headlines. You know, they were nobodies in the UK, in, I guess, outside of Spain. Nobody really knew who they were this time last year, but they've grabbed opportunities by the horns and absolutely gone with them. I mean, Carlos Romo, then Adam Chase came over to the UK during the snowstorm and got on the progress show because there was nobody else there and got over really well um you know they worked dark matches they worked tryout matches um you know they've been releasing free matches against the big stars like ricochet and zsj you know and those are difficult decisions to make you know chucking out your best matches your top matches that you could sell some some shows mm. for free you know it's it's a it's a monetary thing and you you do have to weigh that up and it is difficult but they did the right thing by getting them out there and getting seen by the right people you know <laughs> some may decry you know influencers being but that that is how you get over is you mm. know if someone with a lot of followers sees your match and plugs it like Dave Meltzer or Voices of Wrestling, you know, yeah, more people are going to see you and more people are going to like you and want to see your matches. And that has sort of what has happened here. You know, this match happened ages ago. It came out five months ago, um, but it's an incredible match. And it's a it's a really, I guess, seminal moment for White Wolf. That mm. yeah, yeah, they've had some attention. They've had, you know, the, the Ricochet match come out before and gotten some hype. Uh, they've been on WXW now and gotten some hype. But this felt like a really important match because you can feel it in that building, in that match, if you watch it. You can feel the fans believing in Spanish wrestling. They're believing in A-Kid. You know, Zack sort of represents the wider world of wrestling, European wrestling. You know, the man, the the the, the, stereo, the stereotype of the culture. Mm. And A-Kid is this new up-and-coming force from Spain. And you can feel that, you know, that fury, that passion coming through from A-Kid. That he wants to get noticed. He wants to be remembered by leaving a mark on Zack. And it's it's an incredible match just because of that passion and that energy mm-hmm. between the wrestlers and between the, the fans and the wrestlers. It's it's something palpable and it needs to be seen by everyone because it is so exciting. Um, I've actually seen that full show on WXW now. It's not a great show. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of you know the undercard is very much um, you know Ham and Eggers doing it for a bit of fun and that is where the scene has come from in spain and yeah. that's why they're doing the, big the drop off isn't it from like the top yeah. guys to, to the <laughs> from, to those from a kid and chase and romo even <laughs> now um from from them it is a big drop but those two spearheading the charge they can make something special happen so yeah definitely look out for for romo and a kid as they come through in 2019 they are two top talents and two guys to watch because 
they love this shit, <laughs> and so do we. Absolutely, yep. So great to see them getting some attention, and yeah, great to see White Wolf taking advantage. And uh, although it took a little while, they put it on YouTube, but eventually it got out there, didn't it? And I want to see, yeah. you know, like you mentioned, WXW doing it with uh, with Ilian and Bobby Guns and OTT have been very smart about that lately as well, getting eyeballs uh, on your products. Uh, so hopefully, yeah, there'll be some getting on the ground floor with those guys, but maybe some other smaller indies can uh, can throw their stuff up, and then we can uh, see who the next uh, A Kid is. Uh, that maybe gets his name out. Uh, you mentioned there you watched it just as a, I suppose, a segue into a couple of news items we're going to talk about. You mentioned watching that on WXW Now. WXW are a company who've been a, a little bit in the headlines, at least in a in a roundabout way. I uh, just wanted to get your take on the the Germany tryout that WWE did. They were <laughs> in Cologne. Um, there were some photos that came out. Ilya Dragunov there in the photo. Lucky kid, yeah. Jan Simmons, Emil Satochi. Yeah, yeah Vesna. Some, I mean, even uh, Jay Caspin and Francis Skiller in there as well. Um, although, yeah, based on their look and their character, they're people who I could definitely imagine WWE uh, being interested in. Was the, you know, those names there? Anyone stick out to you as notable or or anyone else? Uh, have you got the fear uh, <laughs> of uh, anyone being snapped up? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely there's some guys who the WWE are going to be taking a, a strong, hard, long, hard look at. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't been following it too closely because honestly, it's too too depressing to, <laughs> to think about. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm happy for the guys and I'm happy for, um, you know, them getting a shot at the dream and it's more more realistic, more attainable than ever before. Mm. Um, and yeah, like having talked to some of those guys at after parties and like, you know, seen them pour their hearts out in the WXW ring like I know that it's a goal for a lot of them and yeah that's exciting for them definitely but obviously for me you know very anti-WWE right now um and just their way of doing things it is kind of like persona non gratering them if they do go or if WWE Germany becomes a thing NXT Germany Mm. um yeah it's definitely something to keep an eye on I mean no like it's all pontification right now. It's all speculation. Nobody really knows what's going on for sure, but it, it something is going on, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it is it's having a, a very clear effect on WXW's output because they've changed everything basically. No more CMJ for now. Uh, no more shotgun. You know they're changing everything about WXW now. So it, it does have an immediate palpable effect, and probably for the negative. Um, I mean, these Road 2 show, they did. They released their first Road to Broken Rules show. It's basically just a long shotgun mm. um, with maybe more focus on the matches and less on segments. Um, so I, I watched it and enjoyed it. But yeah, there's definitely a feeling of like, you know, <laughs> sort of Damocles hanging over you a bit there. Um, so maybe some of, some of the fun is gone immediately. Mm. But I think over time, as it becomes more than normal a bit like in progress they can start to write the ship a little bit right now it's all just a bit chaos everywhere nobody really knows what's going on in the fan base so it's difficult to really latch on to anything definitely it's kind of like i mean i was going to say there's always do the v tryouts aren't there constantly yeah. you know that yeah, I mean, they've, the they've gone to germany several times before they just signed that german footballer remember that's right yeah yeah the goalie yeah, um, yeah but it always they always happen but it feels notable now doesn't it just because of like hyping it up yeah uh, those tie-ins and you know we've got the i mean another news note the 18th anniversary show's coming up and they've announced the british strong style gonna be appearing there um also axel dita jr is going to be reappearing for for wxw having done f all in uh, in nxt uh there's definitely you know a a tightening relationship there isn't there and you know there are some positives there i mean i know a lot of the and i expect you one of the people 
people included. It's going to be great to see uh, Axel Dieter back out there with his uh, his ring camp buddies again. Definitely, him in the ring camp gear. I hope that'd be a very nice sight to see mm. standing alongside Timo and Walter again. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's uh, going to be a new story to watch. But yeah, like I say, there's definitely there's definitely something afoot there, even if we don't know uh, exactly what mm-hmm. it is at the moment. Uh, other news notes, uh, you know, on that. I suppose on that same point, uh, ICW announced that Noam Dar is going to be appearing at Fear and Loathing. They do like hiring their guys out at the moment, don't they, WWE? Uh, Killian Dane appeared at an ICW Fight Club show recently as well. Um, Fear and Loathing, again, coming at a time, you know, at the end of this year, December this time, where, again, my interest in ICW isn't uh, isn't very high. Uh, it doesn't make a, a huge difference to my interest. Maybe Noam Dar can, uh, can shift some tickets there, but yeah, it's very, very, very similar to the wxw story isn't it i think we're going to see mm, it's almost stuff. like wwe deliberately sign international guys to get a foothold in the region <laughs> <laughs> and then they've got nothing to do with them so what are we going to do Who let's knew? get them somewhere <laughs> oh you pessimist ali <laughs> that's it uh, i mean other news note uh, itv world of sport as well speaking of uh, the the i don't know the, the big brit res wars they've their tour that was supposed to be happening in January, um, we've heard absolutely nothing about new tapings. Uh, Dave Meltzer was uh, surmising in the Observer this week that that's certainly not good news. They've got their house show tour, like I say, in January, where I think they were supposed to be doing a show in Bournemouth been, that's been cancelled. There was an Aberdeen show that's been moved from a 5,000-seat arena to a 1,000-seat arena. Uh, I don't know. I'm not really expecting uh, ITV World of Sport to, uh, to ride in on a horse and uh, and save us in these Brit Res Wars, Ollie. Uh, I can't see it happening in January. Um, but mm. I don't know. Are you any more positive? Yeah, that tour was always looking sketchy. It had a bit of a, a touch of a five star to it. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I would like to see a second series just because, you know, keeping wrestling out there in the world is probably a good thing in general, even if it wasn't best representing the product at all mm. um but yeah it's 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 always sad when you see sort of wrestling getting cancelled or downsized because you know guys like justin size and uh, and rampage brown this is their ticket you know mm. and you know they've been working very hard to make it happen so it is a shame but at the same time i'm not really surprised like you mm. <laughs> world of sport the first series wasn't very good despite best efforts from wrestlers in it mm. um and yeah it's it would need vast differentiation in the second series to make it watchable again yeah i'm not highly confident that would happen either i could just imagine coming back and we'll be complaining about the camera cuts and we'll be complaining about the lack of promos and it'll just be the same just on a worse time slot that's uh that'll be my prediction if it comes back but yeah certainly not uh not not encouraging uh that news uh but yeah i guess we'll see uh, what happens with the the rest of the tour dates that they've got and uh just yeah one one last uh news note just to to note we talked a little bit about pack who uh, reappeared on Twitter now. He's uh, the bastard pack. Uh, he's announced a, a few more dates as far as Indies go. We were we were talking about where we thought he was gonna gonna end up. Obviously, he's got a OTT had announced that he's going to be appearing at some point. They haven't said when uh, for them, but also the fact that he's going to be doing Rev Pro too. He's going to be in Rev Pro at Portsmouth Guildhall for on November the twenty second. So that's coming up. And Defiant announcing that he's going to be back in the new year uh, doing some of their TV tapings for loaded and he's even at courage wrestling in ireland i think it's this coming saturday as well uh you're going to be uh going out to to see uh neville slash pack uh, at any of those dates ollie and uh what have you made of his, his run in uh, in dragon gate so far 
Oh, it's it's very exciting, isn't it? Pack back on the scene in all these places, encourage <laughs> in in a what, where was every... it that he was announced like Luton or something? Yeah, or... He's, seen, he's just taking every booking, isn't he? It doesn't. Fit. Yeah. <laughs> I I expected this to be a big say a big yeah, York yeah, show, like a big return show for Pack, but no, he's just hitting the ground running. Yeah. yeah, a big OTT show, something like that. But he's just he's just going to be. I don't know, bled it. It gives, I think, credence to my kind of theory on him that I don't know if we're going to be getting big dream matches from him. I think we're going to be getting very much that Twitter character he's doing and very much the character work that he's been yeah. doing. I'm into that, though. Like, mm. I, I I don't want to see big indie dream match pack and then have him be done in six months. Mm. Um, like other returning WWE stars. Obviously, he's of a far higher quality than <laughs> the Ryback or Jack Swagger. But... Um, you know, he he has a lot more to offer than them, and he'll be around no matter what. Um, but I want to see that character work. I want to mm. see him get get stuck in. You know, yeah. I I maybe would have preferred like a pack his back show kind of thing. <laughs> Just um, one, like but, a party that yeah, we can just, all attend one, and yeah. enjoy him in Osprey. I mean, obviously, it's not happening now with Osprey's injury, but a match like that, you know, a big match that we'll get to see. I mean, did you see his single, what was his singles comeback match in Dragon Gate? Was it against Flamita? Uh, did you spot that? Uh, I, I, I haven't seen anything since his actual return match, like it literally when he got announced mm. and then immediately had the tag match, which was Shingo's last match before he went to New Japan. I haven't mm. seen any of his... He had a match against Flamita, um, and now he's going to have a match for the title, the Dreamgate against uh, Yoshino, which I probably will watch actually because <laughs> Yoshino is brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. And those two will, I mean, those two are like real life best friends, so I think they will have lots of good chemistry. Um, so yeah, I will check out more of Pack and Dragon Gate um, as it comes into <laughs> comes into being. Um, and yeah, that Dreamgate match is definitely highest on his priority list right now. But it is cool that he's hitting the ground running with the indies, mm-hmm. even though I think we both agree we would have liked sort of a, a pack his back show, that's so it, to yeah. speak. Just a, yeah, that's it. Just give us a chance to to get that get let him do a couple of this is awesome type matches and yeah. <laughs> then we'll get to the stories. But I think it'll be interesting to see where those stories take place. If it's you know, how many shows have Red Pro got him for, how many shows have OTT got him for, defines it outright yeah. saying they've got him for Who is he gonna TV. use as his year? Base. That's it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that. He'll gets always have up. Dragon Gate, but who is he? Who who's he mm. putting putting his money down for? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. In Europe, I think he seems to be spreading his wings at the moment, and I think it'll just be a case of yeah, wherever, wherever kind of suits him, wherever he, yeah. he gets running, and yeah, where, where he's comfortable, and who's willing to pay for him as well as a an element of it as well. But <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see who gives him uh, something uh, juicy to to sink his teeth into. Because yeah, I've always been a fan of the the character work of him, definitely these last couple of years so yeah it'd be great to to see how uh, that plays out on the indies uh yeah that's uh, pretty much it, it as far as uh, news stories then go uh ollie have you got uh, anything to to plug before we go uh yeah you can check me out at voices of wrestling check me out on twitter at another ollie um we, i'm gonna have another podcast brit rest roundtable coming up uh probably coming up next week so you can li- if you haven't listened to me enough today you can listen to me then as well um and benno Definitely, yeah. You can uh, find me on Twitter at Benson Richard E. You can find my other stuff at theindycorner.com. And also a cheap plug for Martin. You can, again, if you're missing Martin from this episode, like I mentioned earlier, he's doing the Patreon Cafe Hangouts from uh, from Post Studios with John Pollock and Waiting. Uh, he's going to be doing that on Thursday for Patreon members, Double Double, Ice Cap and Espresso members can all get to uh, to watch that video uh, via the Patreon. So do check that out if you're, you're missing Martin. But he'll be back with us again in two weeks and we'll all be back with the latest from the british and european wrestling scene 
We'll catch you again in two weeks.